ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Oh, it's red! It's red by Marky Mark! No one to watch it! The local flying upfield! This is the stuff of dreams for Marky Mark! No one to watch it! A dream talent unfolding into a nightmare scenario for Rugby Australia with confirmation the 23-year-old is heading to the National Rugby League and the Roosters. Yep, that is the same club that lost Joseph Suali to Union. The Code Wars are alive and well. And it begs the questions. Is the NRL just getting started? How will the Wallaby translate to the 13-man game? Could he return in time for a home Rugby World Cup? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Nick Hampton writes on Rugby League and other things for ABC Sport. Campo, what are the details of Mark Nawani Tawasi's defection to the National Rugby League and why would he make the jump? Well, to me, Stacky, it's a pretty seismic move just because we haven't seen a top-level Wallabies player who doesn't have any prior league experience make the jump to the 13-man code in nearly 30 years now. You know, you've got to go back to the mid-90s with guys like, you know, Peter Jorgensen and Garrick Morgan, before Rugby Union even turned professional, they're sort of the last guys to to make a move like this. So just the fact it's happening at all, I think, makes it pretty significant. But then you throw in all the background about a lot of the turmoil that rugby's been going through in Australia. You you throw in the wrinkle of uh, Joseph Suwaliki going the other way from the Roosters to, to Rugby Union for the very same season. And yeah, this is a story that's sort of really reaching out and touching a lot of different parts of a lot of different sports. Why is this such a blow for Australian rugby? Well, you know, I think anybody that's even got a cursory understanding of rugby would understand that it's been a really, really tough season and a, probably a tough couple of years for the code in this country. And Nawani Tawasi was sort of one of those very few bright spots, you know. He's a, he's a Sydney junior. He came through the Waratahs a couple of years ago. He, he's an, an exciting player with a great turn of pace. Set up both Tars tries. No one to us. Here's some room out the back for Walton. Back for Marky Mark! Oh, yeah! He's had some really good days for the Waratahs and for the Wallabies. There was a match against Wales a couple of years ago where he absolutely dominated. Looked like a real star of the future. Finds his target and turns it infield for Mark Nawangani Tawase. He might be just a little bit better than good. Someone that Australian rugby could get really, really excited about. You know, a homegrown product, a, a guy that people who, who support the code can look at as a real success story. And losing someone like that to, to rugby league, especially given rugby's in such a low place right now, it's a, it's a real, real blow. You know, rugby's having a real, real problem you know, creating uh, stars that people can latch onto and look up to and that inspire the next generation. And in losing someone like Nawani Tawasi, they're losing someone who could have been a real, real asset for their sport, both on and off the field. Digs it out for Karevi. Out the back is Cooper. This is him, Nawani Tawasi. Dummies and now probes for some room. Gets caught high there. Fresh advantage. Still going, Nawani Tawasi. It's a real hammer blow to the to the 15-man game. It's just a two-year deal. Awkwardly, like Suali, it doesn't kick in until 2025, so he's got another year to spend in rugby union. Is this just about cash before heading back for a World Cup on Australian soil in 2027, in time for 2027? You know, I don't think it would just be about cash because if it was, you would think that Nawani Tawasi could earn more money playing a year in France 
or Japan or something like that, and then come back to Australia and start really pushing for that for that next World Cup and the Lions series and all these other things that are down the line. Like to me, sort of zooming out a little bit, it kind of it kind of just looks like the Roosters must have offered a very clear picture about what his future could be, how they see him fitting into the squad, how they see him progressing from one code to the other, how they see him sort of fitting in as a league player for their plans to the future. And at the moment, it feels like Australian rugby doesn't have much of a plan for anything. Well, I think when a board goes through a process like that, um, they obviously want change. I, I understand it was a bit of a split vote, which is sort of interesting. So I, I think what's happened is actually going to create more divisions within rugby, not less. So if you're an up-and-coming player, you know, with the world at your feet, you can do a lot of different things. Why wouldn't you go to, to the organisation who seems to have just a, a clear vision, a clear place they want to go and a clear plan for how they want to get there. It's one of those things, if the house is in order, you know, people will get behind it. And to me, that's sort of like the, one of the underlying stories here is it's kind of the dysfunction of Australian rugby has, has cost them one of their brightest up-and-coming stars. He's no doubt an immense talent. How do you think those rugby union talents are going to translate to the Roosters and the 13-man code? See, Stacky, this is the part that really, really fascinates me because there's just so little data for us to go on in terms of a union to league switch you know like all the 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 big name union players who have come to league over the last 25 years or so all have a background in league at some point you know all the all the converts like Matt Rogers and Wendell Saylor and Lottie Takiri and Sam Burgess they all went back and forth a little bit between rugby but they all had a big big background in league Nwani Tawasi hasn't played it since he was 14 years old you know he's very much a pure union player Nwani Tawasi coming from the back so good under the high ball so good under any ball he's had a terrific night Nwani Tawasi now on it's almost impossible I think to say how he's going to go there's a couple of like little examples that maybe we can draw on Will Warbrick who um, had a great year on the wing for the Storm this season he uh, has a rugby sevens background so did Lockie Miller up at the Knights and Nawani Tawasi has a bit of a sevens background himself so maybe sort of that the exposure to that arena can help him make the change but yeah I, I feel like we're all we're all just really in the dark on this one and beyond sort of the the larger implications for league or union I, th- I think the the most interesting thing is just can he do it? Time, so he sends it wide. Nawani Tuasi gets away from one. Nawani Tuasi getting better and better with each touch at test level. Can he sort of make this switch that no one's really been able to do over the past three decades or so? The other interesting aspect of this conversation is the fact that it kind of works as a direct swap for Joseph Suali'i, who's heading from the Chooks to rugby at the end of 2024. We know that, you know, to put it bluntly, pissed off NRL figures. So how much of this is about sporting heavies settling scores and how much of it is actual talent requirement? You know what? I think it's a little bit of both. There's no secret that Peter Volandis in particular loves tweaking the noses of other sports. And I think after Rugby Union, um, it, through the comments of guys like Eddie Jones and Hamish McLennan, came out so so forcefully at the start of this season and sort of said, you know, there's a war chest and we're going to go after all these league players and we're going to do all that. At rugby, our elite players at the end of the day will earn more than NRL players and we're, we're happy to pay them well. They put their bodies on the line. You know, it's a it's a very competitive market. They say that Peter Volandis prefers a fight than a feed and they they very much picked a fight with him. If Nawani Tawasi comes over and he is a success, you know, that could open the door for, for league clubs to take union players a little bit more seriously as top-level prospects, you know, and 
The Landys has said before that the league would consider bringing in some sort of salary cap dispensation for players poached from other codes. And, you know, when he says that, he's talking about rugby union. So if Nawani Tawasi does manage to sort of hit the ground running a little bit, I think we could see some more guys follow him and he could be a bit of a, a trailblazer in that regard. But that does feel like that's still a long way away, you know. And I think the important thing for for all of this is it could take Nawani Tawasi a full season just to sort of learn rugby league and learn some of the subtleties of the game and, and all that because league and union are both becoming more and more specialised. I think as sports, they've never been more different. So I think it's a wider gap. It's a bigger jump than ever before. And, you know, while, you know, the, the league might have visions of, you know, signing half the Waratahs or picking the eyes out of the Reds or, you know, signing the three best Brumbies players, it's still a transition that I think is going to be incredibly difficult. So while the code wars uh, might, might rage on, this one is far from settled feels retro to have the Code Wars ramping back up after sort of, you know, periods of peace. Given this is a straight swap for Suali'i in many regards, Campo, would it not make sense to expedite the deals and just have them playing their new codes as soon as next year? Seems odd, the fact that we're going to have each playing in a, in a league that they're not going to be in the following year when we could just move it forward. I mean, I know it's probably not that simple, but do you think we see that become part of the conversation here? I suppose, I suppose that's possible, but I would also imagine that with a lot of the ill feeling between the ARU and the, and the Roosters at the minute, I don't think either side would feel that good about coming to the table and offering a deal. You know, like you sort of said, you know, it is a bit retro to have the Code Wars going on. And I don't think either side would want to show the, the weakness or give the concession of ringing the other side and saying, how about a swap? How about we do it early? I think Rugby Union would probably be more open to it because they have just bet so much on Joseph Suwali'i, you know, they're essentially positioning him as the saviour of the sport in this country, which is a massive thing to put on such a such a young man's shoulders. Well, he's one of the best rising stars in the market uh, across any code. He's a wonderful person, a great, great spokesperson for the game, actually, and he's an incredible athlete. They're fully committed to it. They're talking about taking him on the on the spring tour at the end of next season before he's even played a, a game of rugby union. You know, they're, they're really going all in on him, so... I think a swap deal would probably be in rugby union's best interest, but that, to me, explains why it won't happen because league won't want to act in union's best interests. It's a fascinating landscape right now. Campo, thanks for helping us survey it all. No worries. Thanks, Saki. Headlines. Former Oz Open champ Caroline Wozniacki has been granted a wild card to the January tournament in Melbourne. She retired in early 2020, but after having two children, the Dane made a comeback to pro tennis in June. The 33-year-old has had a decent time of it too, reaching the fourth round of the US Open before losing to eventual champion Coco Goff, Australians Kimberly Birrell, James Duckworth, Olivia Gadecki, Taylor Preston, Adam Walton and Mark Polmans have also been granted wildcards. Bad news for golfers with officials announcing a rollback in ball technology. It's a pretty technical story. So for a full breakdown, you can go to our news website where Dean Bilton has broken it all down. But the upshot is this. The powers that be felt pros were hitting the ball too far and it was taking the challenge out of courses. So they're limiting the way balls will be made from 2028 onward. And it means pros and weekend hackers alike will be hitting the ball 
a little shorter. Sydney's famous horse racing track, Rose Hill, is set to be relocated in order to make way for 25,000 homes in the city's west. The New South Wales State Government has signed a memorandum of understanding with the Australian Turf Club. Under the move, Rose Hill will be moved by the end of the decade with other tracks like Warwick Farm and Royal Ramwick to gain funding to be improved. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to 2GB, Super Rugby Pacific and Stan Sport for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.